0: Welcome to the Ultimate NBA Season Preview. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. In this six-episode series, we'll go around the NBA getting insight and analysis from all 30 of our Locked On NBA shows with local coverage in ways that you can't get from anywhere else or anyone else. Now, in episode two, we have our contenders crew from Locked On Lakers' Brian Kamenetsky, Locked on Clippers, Darian Vaziri. Locked on Warriors, Cyrus Sotsis. Locked on Cavs, Evan Damera. Locked on Sixers, Keith Pompey. And I think we are ready to get this party started. We're going to start right away talking to you, Keith, because all eyes are on whether or not a certain guy will stay in the city of brotherly love if James Harden is not on the team this season. What do the Sixers do next?
1: You know, it's it's weird because, uh, you know, they have a lot of veteran players on their team, right? And you you also have, you know, Joel Embiid, the MVP, but a lot of their success and what they do next next is gonna depend on a young guard in Tyrese Maxey because he's gonna have to become the the point guard, right? And when we look at Tyrese Maxey, you think of him as being a scoring guard, but he's gonna have to learn how to be a facilitator. He's also going to have to step his game up on the defensive end, something he doesn't want to hear people say about all the time. But the keys to them is how does Tyrese Maxey continue to be that scorer and how can he step into that role and play well? And, you know, like you said, what are they going to do? If I feel like Tyrese Maxey struggles a little bit to do that, I think the Sixers are going to take a step back this season.
0: Now, Brian, speaking of taking a step back, many think that the Lakers are going to take a step forward. In fact, we talked about it a little bit pre-show on where they should actually be. And I think you even said, why is there a question mark by contenders when we are talking Lakers here? So my question to you, my friend, is did the Lakers get better this offseason? And kind of where do you see them in the contender space?
2: I mean, look, our, our friends at the fanbooks, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook have them at fifth in terms of title odds. And so nope. I'm counting five teams, which means someone in that other show belongs here Um, but i yes is the short answer they definitely got better not because necessarily the name talent that they added was you know off the charts good they did a great job bringing back important players from last year and they added a little bit more balance little stuff like taking getting tori and prince to fill out the front court so now you have a guy who can play the three and the four instead of a bunch of two threes which was what they had going into the season last year you know he's a legitimate he's promised he's going to shoot promised uh this week at practice he would shoot over 40 percent from three-point range um so you know I guess you can just book that and, and say it's good to go but they did that, all of that stuff and then you add Christian Wood who obviously has a lot of question marks you know everywhere I guess you know sort of waves arms around but in terms of an offensive fit on a team where you can pretty much guarantee that Anthony Davis is going to miss at least 15 games to have somebody like that there who can put up 20 on those nights so LeBron doesn't have to put up 40 um, the Lakers are definitely a better team than they were last year and they have the continuity which is something they haven't had in years
0: yeah, and I think you make a great point about Torrin just watching him in his first couple of years while he was here in Atlanta. He's that ultimate utility guy. But sneakily, you can when I say utility, you can put him pretty much anywhere, everywhere, mm-hmm. and he's going to give you productivity in some way, shape or form. So I love that you you mentioned the addition of him being a sneaky maybe silent or small addition, but nonetheless a good one for what the Lakers are trying to do, especially in a West where there have been so many moves and kind of changes that may be a little bit splashier, but this one could be sneaky good.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And and you know, you get the internal improvement of um, Austin Reeves from last year to this year. And, you know, we saw, all saw what he did at the World Cup and he clearly belongs with that tier of player. Um, and held his own and was really one of the better players on the floor for Team USA all summer. Um, you know they're expecting a lot from uh, of uh, of improvement from Rui Hachimura, who his you know metrics playing next to LeBron were phenomenal last year. Yeah, and it's just you know it, it's this is a good team. I mean, look, LeBron is the oldest player in the NBA. Anthony Davis has an injury history. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but if guys are healthy on this team, they ought to be very good.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And listen. You, we're talking about whether or not you guys, the Lakers, should be in a contender's conversation or where exactly should they be in the contender's conversation? And you could kind of ask that question about, I don't know, kind of where will the Clippers be in that conversation as well, Darian? And one of the things that maybe is a question on where they would fall or land is kind of what happens with Kawhi and PG. How do things turn out with them and what may happen short-term and long-term when you look at how they're going to contend in the Western conference, but also what your thoughts are on what happens if they don't have extensions going into next off season.
3: I don't think the extension talk is going to be something that hinders our season. Uh, I think the front office seems to, they're not saying it directly, but it seems to me they're saying what they should be saying, and that is, translation, we need to see that you guys can stay healthy before we start talking extension. Mm. And that's perfectly normal, and I actually think Paul George uh, is mature enough to understand that that's a very valid statement from an organization. He already has next year, the 2024-25 season that he can opt into, making $48 million. So, like, That's a pretty nice deal. So I I think it's not the worst thing in the world for him to just opt into that final deal. If he stays healthy and Kawhi stays healthy this season, then we can talk extension. Because in my opinion, if they're healthy, we really can make noise. We really can make noise. But that's the thing is, can the Clippers stay healthy? And that's the biggest question mark of all. And I'm not as confident as I was last year on the preview where... Paul George is coming back and Kawhi was coming back and all this. Yeah, they're coming back, but I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you if they're going to stay healthy or not. I do believe, though, contrary to some people, that if the Clippers are fully healthy, I think we still have a chance to, to do very special things because Kawhi is just that great when he's healthy. He, if you guys watched the playoffs against Phoenix last year, he was the best player on the floor, and that's not even me just being biased. We had split 1-1 one, one without Paul George. He was... Taking the ball from Kevin Durant and as great as Devin Booker was, Devin Booker doesn't really match that uh, championship pedigree that Kawhi Leonard already has. So I think that the Clippers, if they can stay healthy, are very good. Do I have much confidence that they will stay healthy? Not so much. But I will say I think our roster is better off than we were to start last season. Mm -hmm. Reggie Jackson, God bless him. Love him. Westbrook is just a better player than he is and he's starting the season with the Clippers and the Clippers had no backup center last year for Zubats in the first half of the season. Now you have Mason Plumley, very serviceable in that backup big role. So and you added KJ Martin for some athleticism, a real lob threat. So I think the Clippers are better on paper. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the health of Kawhi and Paul.
0: So Cyrus, Brian, Darian says, at least on paper, the Clippers are competitive and they're better than they were last season, but where do they kind of stack up as far as the fight for the top, I'll say the top of the Western conference, meaning like one through four and taking out of the, you know, we always have that middle of the pack and then we've got, I don't know what's going on at the bottom, but where do you guys kind of see them contending with the Lakers or the Warriors for maybe those top spots in the West?
4: are you asking me is it my turn am I up uh first of all I remember last year's show Darian you were insanely confident with your Clippers and I don't blame you like on paper they were stacked I think they're a little thinner this year but at the same time there's continuity uh I, I don't blame you for having optimism I think the Lakers are stacked in fact before we started recording we were talking about maybe doing like a, a separate locked on Pacific Division show just because I've never seen that division this stacked in my life I've never seen the Pacific Division where whoever ends up the five seed is probably still getting into the playoffs and could in theory still be a title contender. It's crazy what's going on uh, in the West. Um, I think on paper, first of all, the Lakers, if everyone's healthy and that's a huge if, right? Because as, as Brian, you mentioned LeBron's, as, I mean, when is this guy going to slow down? I mean, that's the big question. But if he stays at the peak of his powers, if Anthony Davis stays healthy, on paper to me, the Lakers are the favorites to win the whole thing. They scare me the most by far, in my humble opinion. Um, when it comes to the Warriors, like, it's it's obviously age. I mean, this is a, a grandpa team. I, you know, I, I've been, uh, maybe it's self-deprecating given the, the show I host, but I've been calling this team the Band of Hobbits just because for some reason, Steve Kerr has developed a tremendous aversion to size that concerns me tremendously um But yeah, Brian, I'm with you, man. Your Lakers team is deep. I don't know who uh, was in the top five. I'm looking at the sports book right now. It's Celtics, Bucks, Nuggets, Suns, and Lakers. I don't know who the Lakers are placed. In all uh Miami, I think. Oh wow, because they were going to get Dame. That's right. Yeah, Dame. This, the Heat dropped, and the Warriors are six. But yeah, man, the Pacific Division is stacked. That's my initial thoughts on this whole thing.
0: Coming up, are any of these teams real contenders? But first, you know, buying tickets, especially if you're like me and you try to do it last minute, is not the easiest thing. Sometimes it can be very, very frustrating if you are trying to catch a Beyonce concert or if you're trying to get a ticket for the Braves NLDS, both of which are very, very hard to come by. But there's a way you can get around it and take out the frustration. That's with Game Chime. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Now, terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D. O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. How about you, Brian? What are your thoughts on where the Clippers kind of fall in the pantheon of where the Lakers are and and where the Warriors are and sort of that top side of the West?
2: I I, I am I think the the easiest thing is I know what the Lakers are. Like, if the Lakers are healthy, it's pretty easy to figure out what they, you know, Andy and I on on Locked on Lakers, we did a a whole show about intriguing Western Conference teams, and we don't have the Lakers on that list. And that doesn't mean they're not going to be good or they're not interesting or exciting or whatever, but they're not. There's no real question as to what they are. Like, it's really easy to see what the rotation looks like. It's easy to see how this all breaks down and mm-hmm. and and how darvin ham can put this stuff together whereas mm-hmm. the warriors i don't know what this chris paul steph curry thing is going to look like <laughs> i don't know what clay is going to like is clay going to have to play more uh, you know uh, on the on the wing as a small forward? like i don't i don't know what that is it could be very good i just don't know what it is and the clippers i i have given up on trying to figure out what that team is when they're <laughs> healthy because they're never healthy and so i can't even make a good evaluation as to like man those 25 games that we saw where they were like you know 19 and 4 or you know, 19 and somebody else can do the math I said 25 that's hard <laughs> like they, they don't even have that so yeah they ought to be really I agree with Darian they ought to be really good if they're healthy but I don't even know what it looks like the Lakers I feel like I know what they look like even more so than say a team like Phoenix um whose top end could definitely be better than the Lakers but again I don't know what that looks like
0: And I feel like on the West, you can have in the West, you can kind of have that conversation because it does feel like it's anybody's Mm -hmm. anybody's conference to win. Evan, Mm -hmm. Keith, I feel the polar opposite for the East. I feel like (laughs) it's the same conversation kind of every season, unless injuries shock the world, like, you know, if Giannis isn't Giannis, for example. So I feel like it's Mm -hmm. always the Bucs. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's always the Celtics. And then maybe that three, four is kind of iffy each year, it kind of changes out, you know, one year, it could be the heat if it's not like what happened to them last year, which was more injury laden than anything else. Right. And then you got the Sixers that obviously come into that conversation from time to time as well. But then come on, let's just be real. The bulls pop in and out of the conversation, the Cavs pop in and out of the conversation as well. So my question to you guys is kind of when you look at the East and you kind of see who could ascend to the top of the food chain, where do you guys see the top of the food chain for the East and your teams, the Cavs and the Sixers, fitting in there?
1: Well, I'll talk about it first. And here's the thing, when you look at the East, like you are correct, I mean, is essentially a two-team race, and and sometimes you have a third team, Miami, who steps Mm -hmm. in. But right now, when you look at the East, you know, you you can go back and forth with the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Now, Mm -hmm. when you talk about, you talk about Boston, you know, I I do like the addition of Drew Holiday with Christoph Persingas, and then, you know, the Jays, I call them, you know, Jason Tatum and and, and Jalen Brown, right? But mm-hmm. to me, the one the one question mark I have for the Celtics is the bench. It seems like they let go a lot of guys who yeah. provided a lot of depth, right? But when you talk about that four, it's pretty good. The yeah. thing about the Milwaukee Bucks, I remember last year, you know, going to Milwaukee. And every time I went, I would always look at their roster and just see how long and athletic they were. Yeah. The one thing that they missed was an explosive guard who could go out there and get his own shot. Now they have that. I feel like with that depth that they have coming off the bench, that length that they have around Dame, on on paper it, that tends to be the team to beat. To beat. The only question I have is when you have two bona fide guys, alpha dogs. We're talking about Dame and Giannis, and of course, when the guy first comes, Giannis is going to be happy, right? But how long is Giannis going to be happy with setting picks for Dame? Like, he thinks he's going to set that pick, and then he's going to get open, and Dame's going to give him the ball, and that ball's not always going to come. So to me, the biggest question mark is how do those two coexist? And if they coexist well with a healthy Chris Middleton, I feel like that's going to be the team to beat coming out the East.
5: I, I agree with Keith wholeheartedly, like both Boston and Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee first and foremost, they they brought um, they brought a howitzer to a knife fight like they, they really went all in one a piece Giannis, and two, they, they got the best point guard, arguably in the Eastern Conference, arguably one of the best point guards in the NBA and. The Cavs now have to face um, the Bucks four times a season, and instead of having Drew Holiday lock up Damian or sorry Darius Garland and making his life just miserable, you now have to deal with the pretty perfect on paper fit between Damian Lillard and Giannis and to Keith's point these are two alphas like how do they coexist and mesh with one another I think it's fair to question like Adrian Griffin's a rookie head coach like there's going to be some growing pains there as well and I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning period and then if you flip over to the Boston side of things I agree with Keith's take there too like they gave up a ton of depth to make these moves I think Robert Williams losing him was a bit of a surprising take or move on Boston's part and I think they fully believe in Kristaps Porzingis being healthy who doesn't have a track record of being healthy or maybe reliable right. at times on the floor and it's just the depth is a legitimate concern with the Celtics right now and they're not going to obviously break up the top that they have between Porzingis who or the two Jays or even Drew and I doubt Al Horford's going to be able to move all of a sudden or does it want to give a bunch of players or assets to kind of fill that void to match Horford's contract so I it's just when you look at the food chain, those two are at the top. And if you're looking at teams like Philly or Cleveland or even Miami, and I think New York, just because they punked the Cavs last year, could be in this conversation too, just because they are a scrappy team. You're fighting to get the best record in the East and hope that those two end up being the two and three seed. And then they just bludgeon each other in a seven game series. So at least you have much more than a puncher's chance when you face them, either in the conference, if you reach the conference finals.
3: That's it right there making yeah. it to first seed and letting them get two and three and eating each other that that's definitely the point.
0: yeah and i think you make a good point evan about not just from an injury perspective but from a chemistry perspective and i think that's something that the calves could benefit from now that you have this is going into another year of donovan mitchell and darius garland so i'm curious to know and you mentioned it as well like yeah the knicks uh, were able to bounce the Cavs out of the playoffs last season, but this is now a team that's had an off season to really get together and gel. So what have you seen in that offseason and how they've been able to kind of establish their team chemistry, kind of fit the parts together, and just be a better contender? And I say better contender because I felt like they were one last year, at least when they came to town in Atlanta. What makes them a little bit better and maybe sneakily good to move into that upper echelon, meaning that top four in the East?
5: I think to your point the continuity is key like Milwaukee did make that move to go get Dame there's gonna be growing pains there and Drew has to figure out his role with the two Jays, and the, the Celtics have plenty to figure out themselves there too but yeah in, in terms of just the, the Garland Mitchell pairing I was pleasantly surprised that they kind of clicked almost right away and they <laughs> like you said they, they they had the makings of a contender on paper in terms of just like net rating defensive rating offensive rating everything in between when it comes to what the Cavs were able to do last year and then. Mm-hmm. As Jared Allen became a meme, the lights became way too bright for the Cavs and they crumpled. They were kind of sucker punched by the Knicks. Not kind of, they were sucker punched by the Knicks. Right. You watched them get out coached by Tom Thibodeau in five games. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was tough. And from media day and from the early beginnings of training camp the question was and they got grilled again like hey you lost in five games how long did it take you to get over it and some players said well i'm not fully over it yet but they or the consensus is it's just like everyone's internalized everything and they're not going to let it hold on to them or drag them down but they're going to grow up from it i think jared allen of all people had the best quote to come out of it is they're no longer going to be judged on the regular season success it's what they do in the playoffs is what people are going to expect and judge them on and to jump back to your question like the mitchell and garland pairing like those two having kind of like a seamless fit with one another is encouraging already and i think you're two you're going to see them be push one another you're hoping that darius garland continues to grow up as a as a professional and as an athlete and maybe supersedes mitchell as like the the quote unquote alpha in the backcourt there but Mm -hmm. in terms of chemistry and off offseason things Mitchell shared something interesting it's the first time in his career he went to summer league since he played in it for the Jazz and he they did a bunch of team workouts whether it was in Nashville or in Vegas I think they were in um, Connecticut because that's where Donovan lives in the offseason as well and they really just hammered home like hey what wasn't working what is working and Donovan had full input and control along with a few of the other stars just telling the front office like hey we need to get shooting so they went and got Max Struce, George Niang Ty Jerome and they really a priority to sacrifice defense for offense and mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how does everything click um how does JB Pickerstaff apply these new offensive weapons because he's a defensive first coach and yeah c- can the Cavs maybe ride that momentum of being a really good regular season team to mm-hmm. keep climbing the ranks and again avoid milwaukee and boston as long as possible just so they can really maybe make a statement and maybe show that the regular season success does translate to the playoffs
0: and there's something else you just said I want to kind of follow up on. Max Struess, what are your thoughts on where he fits in terms of this lineup? And like you said, obviously, if Bickerstaff's going more offensive minded, although a defensive coach, uh, Max Struess would theoretically fit in. But how do you feel he'll fit into this uh, Cavs team?
5: so it's interesting Cleveland admitted that they're a little one note on offense last season there was a lot of heavy pick and roll or maybe some isolation between Garland and Mitchell and mm-hmm. they're trying to implement more motion sets and play off the fact that Max Strus does function well on off ball screens and just moving without the ball in his hands and benefiting from the defense and the gravity that the two guards kind of command or maybe when you have Allen and Mobley the defenses have to respond and react in the paint as well like Strus could be a guy that stretches the offense he's certainly going to make make life more palatable for those two seven-footers and Alan Mobley down low and more than that like if you look at the Knicks series when neither Mitchell nor Garland could get it going it was just maybe a mix of either nerves or defensive pressure from New York if you had a guy like Max Strews who is very comfortable with the ball in his hands and could maybe just find the movement and way to stretch back out the defense that that could unlock things for the Cavs and I, I view him as a uh, a bit of a safety valve at times where the Cavs can mm-hmm. maybe hit him and then just kind of get the offense clicking if things aren't hitting and it, it's just—it's a smart move on Cleveland's part because it was just yeah. abundantly clear they needed shooting all season long. They made did with what they have in terms of just the lack of spacing, and they got arguably the best unrestricted free agent in terms of shooting on the market, and they're rocking and rolling with it. But to your point, um, it'll be interesting to see what JB does, just because his offense has historically been a little bit one note and vanilla at times. I, I'm curious to see do they fully lean into this motion-based offense or when things get tight, do they fall back on bad habits and Strews is just stashed in the corner? So that's, that's going to be kind of my question about them as I watch this offensive growth for this team.
0: Coming up, what's holding these teams back from winning a title, but first... The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions doctor-created and doctor-recommended. Now, don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. It's an amazing opportunity that you have to be able to take Charge of your health. So get $20 off on these life saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked On at checkout on JaceMedical.com. That's J A S E Medical.com. And again, everyone should be empowered to take care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace allows you to do just that. So you can get $20 off on these life saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using Locked On at checkout out on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So Max Struess obviously takes his talents from South Beach to essentially the Midwest. So, okay, Keith, let's keep it real. We're not sure where James Harden is going to take his talents. He may not take them anywhere. But (laughs) if James Harden is not on the Sixers team this season, I want to know where you guys go. And in particular, kind of not just sticking with the Harden part of that storyline, but really kind of from your perspective, where do the Sixers go with all of the other teams in the Eastern Conference that have made some real kind of boss, kind of bold moves to say that we're, you know, we always talk about that one, two, three punch there, but the one and the two have made their bold moves. And here maybe the Sixers are trying to be in that three space to maybe contend with them. What do you see for this team?
1: You know, I I, I think it could be tough. I mean, I do. I mean, the problem with the Sixers, I mean, you know, we talk about James Harden without him, right? You know, when you look at when you look at James Harden when he was there last year, mm-hmm. you you say to yourself, You know, James Harden isn't the type of player that's good enough to get them to a championship. You you say that, right? You say Mm -hmm. that. But then when you look at all the other the options that the Sixers had out there, you're saying without a James Harden type player, the Sixers may not make it to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, you you know, they may have a tough time just because they don't have a lot of point guards out there. And as we you know, we talked about early on. You know, you you you're pitting the ball, putting the ball in Tyrese Maxey's hands, and then you have guys like, um, you know, like uh, Patrick Beverly, who you know who's getting older. You're going to have mm-hmm. to rely heavily on him or coming off the bench. And you know, you guys from the you know covered the Clippers, covered the Lakers. You know about Pat, right? Then then you also have um <laughs> Kelly Oubre. Like Kelly Oubre is is you know one of their top offseason signees, right? And Kelly Oubre is coming off of a, a career high averaging twenty point three points last year, but he did it for arguably the worst team in the league, one of the worst teams in the NBA for the last several years, right? And so, you know, there's a lot of question marks and I know they have Nick Nurse. He thinks outside of the box. But when I look at this Sixer team, um, you have to say, at least on paper right now, that they're going to take a step back because everyone else in the East has, has made moves. Like we'll talk about Cleveland. They upgraded their bench. They added depth. You know you look at the new york knicks they made some additions the sixers you know what they did is they went out there and got a lot of guys on minimum salary one-year deals so i don't that doesn't look like a team that's trying to win a championship it looks like a team that's about to blow things up so they could go through another rebuilding process
4: and your yeah. kelly Oubre jr signing was so last minute i was like even before that i was wondering like what is their plan here because you're right their depth is minimal i'm
1: so I mean, I mean, and, and not to the, the, the continue talking about when you think about it, right? The best move, the biggest deal that the Sixers had this offseason was for Paul Reed. I love Paul Reed b-ball Paul. He's a, 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 a local favorite. Everyone loves him. Right. But he was, he's a six nine backup center <laughs> who they matched his salary because um, you know, the Utah jazz wanted him. them. So they retained him and, you know, he was about to get a parade. That's how happy everyone was because they finally did something. So, you know, it's like, and here's another guy, Mo Bamba, you know, a guy who was with the Lakers, you know, a a lottery pick who, some people question his love for the game. So when you talk about all these guys, yeah, they sound good on paper. They have names that we all know of, but they all say such and such, but, and when you have a lot of butts like that, you know, you can be set up for a long season. I think they're going to take a step backwards. Mm. May I so, ask
4: a question for to Keith real fast? Just uh, yeah, I, yeah. Like, like, so first of all, I wanted to say those two names you dropped. If any member of Dub nations watching this, they're they're drooling right now because the Warriors, for some reason, everyone but the team themselves understands how important size is. Uh, so I, i so those those two players, even though they're not marquee names, the Warriors would have loved them. But what is what is the Sixers' approach with with Joel and Embiid? Like Embiid can't be happy seeing this team just get decimated like this. like Is this the, the end for him there? Like, what, what's the mentality of the organization with
1: keeping Embiid happy? It could be the end, and, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it seem like, you know, they're trying to work with him. They're trying to um, keep him, you know, abreast of everything that's going on. But but at the same time, you know, Joel Embiid is an extremely smart guy. He he's he, he, He's smarter than what he wants people to think he is. So sometimes he says he's trolling, and when he goes on Twitter and he says what he says, like, "Hey, this was a fun summer, right? I know this was a, a funny, a, a fun off season." He's basically saying, "Wow, I'm looking and seeing what everybody else is doing. Y'all told me you were going to upgrade this roster, and wow." And then he also, you know, he he also said this summer that, "Hey, I win a championship in, in Philadelphia or anywhere else, right?" He knows exactly what he's doing. What Joel Embiid is doing is putting the Sixers on the clock. It yes. may not happen this season, but I'm telling you, if they struggle, Joel Embiid is going to ask for a trade. He's going to ask for a trade. Why? Because Joel Embiid right now, he's one MVP. He wants back-to-back scoring titles, but he wants to keep pace with um, um, the Joker, Nikola yes. Jokic, and he also wants to keep pace with Anthony Antetokounmpo, Giannis, they are like his rivals, so to speak. He's looking at these guys. They won MVP, multiple mm-hmm. MVPs, but they also won championships, mm-hmm. and they yeah. did it with continuity. So Joel wants to go somewhere where he can play, and there's going to be a, a core around him that used to playing together, and he can win a championship. I mean, yeah. and I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at them, you know. So but 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 that's where we are. It's not probably not going to happen this year, but I'm telling you if they struggle, you can bet on Joel and B asking for a trade this summer.
0: Yeah. And sorry, she took the words right out of my mouth because that was going to be my very next question. Like, okay, we're all talking about, okay, what's going to happen with James Harden? But the real question is, what's going to happen with Joel Embiid? Because, yeah, he's a very (laughs) competitive. I loved it because my thought was the same. He's a very competitive guy and also, Keith, like you said, low key cerebral. So he is watching what's going on around the Eastern Conference and saying, okay, well, They're playing chess, not checkers over in Milwaukee. They're playing chess in Boston. What are we doing here in Philly? And so I can't blame him for kind of throwing that out there saying, (laughs) okay, this is going to be my millennial way of letting this front office know perfect words, Keith. You're on the clock. Do something, <laughs> or I'm already putting my bid out there for guys who I know are going to listen because we know how the NBA works. Once a guy puts out there that he's kind of open or entertaining conversation about possibly joining up with you know other one or two other star players and becoming a big three or big four, the eyebrows raise, the front office gets to work, and before you know it, a team is dismantled and they go back into rebuild mode just like that. So, yeah, I, I that's exactly where my mind went after we started talking about about James Harden. And then the other thing that kind of raised an eyebrow for me was like you said, Keith, in the event that these things don't come together, even with Nick Nurse being the kind of head coach that he is, there's a potential for the Sixers to take a step back. So my thought was with our other guys, Brian, Cyrus, Dyer, and Evan, do you like see the possibility of your teams or any of these other teams on our panel? Because remember, you can shoot shots. Shots can be fired at the others. Anybody else on this panel where you see, hey, you guys have a possibility of taking a step back this season too?
3: To to be honest, I think only Philly strikes me as a team that's – actually, I don't know. The the Golden State thing with Chris Paul and the age of the Warriors, they, I think – it could be a train wreck.
4: But compared to last year – I mean, they did get better than last year. I, I mean, last year they sucked. I, I don't know how they even got the, as far as they did. Sorry to interrupt you, but I. <laughs> no, it's fine.
3: No, I mean that's just, a fair point. You guys yeah. got. I mean, having Andrew Wiggins back for hopefully the majority of the season, sixty plus games will be great. I just mm-hmm. you know don't know about uh, Clay and Draymond and if if they're gonna you know are they gonna keep are they gonna keep declining because you don't get any younger. Um, there's there's those games that Draymond doesn't even look at the rim, and those can be very <laughs> frustrating. Um, and then Chris Paul is, I mean. If anyone knows Chris Paul, I, I'd say I have a PhD in CP3's career. Um, it could be a, it, it's it could be hit or miss. I think it might be more beneficial in the playoffs, though, Chris Paul's addition. I feel like you'll feel that more in the yeah. playoffs than the regular season. But I, I think the Warriors are a tough one. Lakers, I think, got better. The Cavs, I think, are just going to keep improving. They're a young core. Yeah. Um, I actually have the Cavs third seed in my, in my preseason rankings for the East this season, yeah. the Sixers, you know, going into this, I was like, they're definitely going to decline. And I think they're going to decline as Keith said, but I don't think you guys are as bad as people might think the names you were naming. I think there's some decent depth pieces there. I mean, Kelly Oubre, I think he's supposed to come off the bench, right?
1: Yeah, supposedly yeah, yeah. off
3: the bench. Uh, I know he wasn't, he didn't work out with the Warriors, but he was starting for a large majority of that beginning of the season. And Patrick Beverly, you mentioned him. Brian and I, we did have him on both of our our teams that we covered, but I think his opinion of Pat Bev is very different than mine. I I think Patrick Beverly has infectious energy and will help Philly, and you guys are going to love him. And I also think I saw how the fans were chanting Paul Reed's name in the playoffs. I think he's got some development there, and DeAnthony Melton's a solid player, and Maxie is a stud. And you know what? Just to end it here – no glenn rivers no james harden i think i may be rooting for the sixers a bit this year again i think philly we're making Billy great again
1: we'll see the only thing that i have about them is just the butt the butt thing It's like you know mo bamba love him great guy i mean you know really nice guy but the energy right pat bev the sixers should have had pat bev three years ago and like you know he may still be that guy I hope he is. I love the energy too. But sometimes.
2: I don't think he's that guy. You don't think he's that guy? I don't. Um, I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends what you want. You want a guy yeah. who's actually going to contribute on the floor, or do you want a guy who is going to, um, you know, create an edge for a team that might need one? That's a different deal. But if you are a team relying on Patrick Beverly to be. A significant on-court contributor, you are probably not in a good place. Mm. I think he'll be. Yeah, I mean, at there. this point, his career. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great
0: point. That's great fair. Point. That's fair. Evan, do you see any of these teams kind of taking a step back? Not so much. And if you think it's your Cavs, that's fine. But do you see any of these other teams that you're looking at what they did last season versus this season and saying, yeah, they're probably a, a strong candidate to, to take that step back?
5: I think any of these teams are a candidate to take a step back i mean lebron is the oldest player in the league he could be injured anthony davis could get an injury as well um the warriors have some questions on their starting lineup like i saw clay thompson starting at the four and i think about a natural power forward having to be defended by clay thompson and it isn't pretty philly there's questions whether or not tyrese maxey can take that next step if they do trade james harden or does Joel M B get fed up and ask for a trade and just blow this thing up entirely well, and yeah. then there's nick nurse right. who also runs his stars into the ground and then the Cavs are in a bit of a holding pattern right now donovan mitchell made it publicly known that he won't entertain signing the extension with cleveland until next summer at the earliest and to um and sorry to darian's point as well just like the Cavs have a great young core but also it's like there's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard too like they have health concerns and there's they're a bit, a bit of a holding pattern kind of like Cleveland like they're they're in an evaluation process and figuring out what does and doesn't work for them and it's just an interesting step like the I think this the contenders question mark is a fair question because yeah. a lot of things could crack any of these teams ways and they could jump into that upper echelon mm-hmm. or things could go horribly wrong and you see them tumble down into like the three fours and five, five groups in these episodes and maybe not that low maybe a little dramatic but in terms of just like the Cavs they have Darius Garland and Evan Mobley that's your future um you're hoping Evan Mobley levels up uh Tristan Thompson of all people is the one who's saying that he sees a young Anthony Davis in him and he's trying to push those buttons to make him kind of grow and make that year three leap but It's just you gave up the farm for Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz are salivating at the prospect of the Cavs falling apart and slipping even further, just because they have all those picks going forward. And so it's just it's a weird spot. And let's say Mitchell doesn't want to be here, and the Cavs have to entertain a trade next summer. That that's that's a bridge you cross at that point. But for now, you're just trying to maximize your opportunities and yeah they have continuity they added two le- rotation guys in Max Strus and George Niang to their bench unit and just rotation in general but things could go weird like Darius Garland was smacked in the face uh during the season opener against the Toronto Raptors and missed the first two weeks and then mm-hmm. almost immediately when he came back was hit in the face again and almost missed time again so mm-hmm. it's just injuries happen you knock on wood and hope it never happens but it, that's just the kind of the frustrating and scary part about sports is you don't know what's going to happen but Out of like these five teams, I I feel Mm -hmm. like Cleveland just has the power of youth on their side, but a lot of things could go wrong too, just because there is that now weight and pressure of expectations that this Cavs team crumbled last time there was pressure. And if it happens in the regular season, things could get a lot uglier sooner than we expect.
2: All I know and- is Austin-, Austin Reeves gets hit in the face like six times a day. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> if you can't handle a little smack to the face on the floor. Well, just, I mean-
4: to, just to play off what Evan was saying, though, if, uh, Clay Thompson is not going to be a regular power forward. Uh, that that I know. Him, play, him defending or playing the four is, is the pre Season opener because Draymond Green is currently dealing with a sprained ankle. I'm not supporting it. I'm not saying that's that that's a good thing, but this mm-hmm. plays off what Darian was saying about Chris Paul. One of the thorns in the warrior side this offseason has been this trait for Chris Paul. I'm reserving judgment until I see it on the floor because yeah. I don't think anyone has any, any idea how this is going to play out. But mm-hmm. Chris Paul, for some reason, has this or maybe not some reason, but he has this huge ego and part of that huge ego requires him to be a starter. And yeah. he has not played along when it comes to attributions in terms of interviews this summer. When asked, you know, are you okay coming off the bench? He's never come off the bench in his entire career, not once. Yeah. And he didn't answer that very kindly. Like he was, he was mm-hmm. actually kind of short and a little aggravated by that question. And he's playing, he's saying the the, the, the right things now. But mm-hmm. that's a huge reason why Clay Thompson is at the four is because mm-hmm. with Draymond Green's injury. If Steve Kerr decided to not start Chris Chris Paul, uh, who knows how Chris Paul would react to that? I mean, he's trying to, to balance all these egos. Clay Thompson himself is guilty of this. There's a lot of people uh, in the Warriors fan base uh, who are saying maybe Clay Thompson is better coming off the bench as a sixth man. We all heard that, uh, that attribution from uh, Greg Popovich the other day saying if Manu Ginobili can come off the bench, anyone can come off the bench. But for some reason, some players really are tied to their, their, their confidence, I guess. Their, 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 maybe it's an insecurity issue, but they value that starting role incredibly. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the Warriors are starting Klay Thompson at the four, which sucks. Um, but that's not gonna be a regular thing this year. I wouldn't count on that being a consistent thing. And Evan, you've got a player in your squad that if they actually play him, his name is Ty Jerome, have fun with that this season. That is a problem that is no longer on the Warriors roster. <clears throat> Excuse me, that I am so excited to no longer deal with. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm choking here. Just talking about Ty Jerome not being on the Warriors anymore. That's all happy is I have you emotional, Cyrus. <laughs> Enjoy, Enjoy. Last Have fun anger. with that. And I'm looking at the Cavaliers' depth chart, and you're right, man. Your team does have some issues there with depth, because if Ty Jerome is a full-time member of your squad, yeah, you, you might have some problems this year, but that's me. Oh,
3: shots that's fired so at the former <laughs> national champion, Virginia Cavalier, now a Cleveland yes, Cavalier. Yes, basketball.
4: That's that translates very well to uh nba
3: <laughs> hey well you're, you're you said steve kerr has a small ball conviction how do you know clay thompson won't be played at the four in excess minutes
4: well, he might. He might. I mean, I, I hope not. I mean, this is a preseason opener. That it, it, it sucks that Kerr has this aversion to this. I don't know what's going on there, but he he didn't early in his tenure with the Warriors. They were not afraid right. to play Andrew Bogut, Zaza Pachulia, JaVale McGee, David West. And he, for some reason, those kinds of players. he did play not Anderson
5: vergel in 2016, which there go forever. Thanks him for that. So there you
4: go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Cyrus and, and Darian, especially like so much of the West and, and like I is, is going to be based on seeding. Like, let I, I I love the Lakers as a matchup this year for the Warriors just because the, the Lakers have so much more size. They, they won that series pretty convincingly last year. They actually right. got bigger this year, and, and they have more length and all that. But, you know, and if you break down, and Cyrus could do this better than me, but, like, you could break down matchups where, assuming things go the way the Warriors a, you know, have designed it would be mm-hmm. a nightmare matchup for a different team. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, the, the Lakers finally beat the Clippers, Darian last year after losing like 742 straight games to the Clippers. Or did are, are, you, are,
3: you, are you just imagining things? Cause you did not made... actually win. No, I I'm sorry. I was, just, I, was, I, was, I,
2: was just, I was giving us credit for going to the Western conference finals. Um, but <laughs> I, but you yeah, are to your point, like the, until the Lakers can beat the Clippers, like, once, like ever, like I, that matchup is pretty bad. Now, they got a, a little bit better in terms of players who can defend on the wing and all that kind of stuff. But like that has been a terrible matchup for the Lakers. So so much of this could end up just based on seeding, I think, um, in 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 the West. And then in the East, it's like which one of these teams, like you were saying before, whether it's you guys, you know, in, in Cleveland or, or the Sixers, who can avoid boston and milwaukee the longest um you know that that seems to be the the trick there so that's that's some of the stuff i'm fascinated about but in the west it's yeah. like there are 10 teams 10 mm-hmm. or 11 teams you could look at and say that, that team could make the playoffs mm-hmm. Easy. 11 mm-hmm. of them honestly and if you include
3: houston it could be 12 but there's 11 of them that one of these teams is going to miss the plan and it's going to be like tragic last year it was mm-hmm. And I just, if Dallas misses it again, I'm like, oh, oh my God, that's going to be so bad for Luka and Kyrie. I just don't see it. But I want to yeah. say one thing on the Cavs real quick before we move on to the next thing. You know, Evan mentioned George Niang and um, who's he, Max Struess. Those don't sound like much, but for what Cleveland was missing last year, like mm. I watched them generate mm-hmm. so many open threes that they just they fell to Isaac Okoro and he just couldn't hit. And Max Struess and... George Niang, very serviceable role players. I mean, I watched George Niang with Billy. He was very solid. Um, But I ultimately think the the big needle mover for the Cavs is the development of of Garland and Mobley, as he said. Like, the fact that Jared Allen and him got wrecked on the boards and they couldn't really hit a shot outside the key in that series against New York uh, really hurt. They really didn't have much Mm -hmm. shooting at all. So... I actually really like the Cavs um, enjoying this fact that they're a competitive team in the post-LeBron era. So I wish them the best. And Evan Mobley being a USC guy and a great USC player, I always uh, wish him the best, too.
0: Well, listen, guys, I wish you and your teams all the best. We got to wrap it up right here. I'm going to be watching a whole heck of a lot because, of course, it's Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Sixers, Cavs. And I'm like, hmm, where are the Hawks in there? I digress. <laughs> but anyway, appreciate you guys' time. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to have some conversation again at the end of the season about whether or not this and our other group are truly our set of contenders for the next season. So that'll do it for this episode two of the ultimate NBA season preview with this group of contenders. And to find out where all of the NBA teams land this season, of course, check out Locked on NBA and get all six episodes of the ultimate season preview. We will see you in the NBA regular season.